Hey guys, welcome to the Higher Points, and today we have a special guest on, um, Mason Lang. He is uh, grew up with this guy. He's uh, he's my cousin, and um, he does. He's kind of a jack of all trades. Um, played a lot of sports growing up, video games. Now he's in college at UCF, USF, USF. in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, so he's living the dream down there in Tampa and uh, getting his. Uh, College education, and he is a, uh, a podcaster as well. And this is actually his first time actually being on the other end of the mic, being interviewed. So most of the time he's the interviewer. So we got him nervous today. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see him during room tone? It was like, like, he was like <laughs> just like drumming, just like drumming on there. Yeah. These again, these are the things that I notice. Like, um, you know, they they train us to look for those things of like those nervous energy and stuff of people that are like they're wanting, they're getting ready to talk to you because you notice those things. So. So first things first, we just want to hear about you. Like, where'd you grow up? Like, what was uh, what's Mason's story? Let's hear it. Well, hello everybody. My name is Mason. I am 24 years old, and I am currently attending college in Tampa, Florida. That's kind of my main gig right now. And um, if I had to describe myself, I would definitely say that I'm a, a jack of all trades. That's a pretty good uh, description. And um, because of that, I'm interested in a lot of different things. I I play sports. I create media. Do music, acting. Um, just overall of being an entertainer and, you know, putting positive things out into the world. And, um, I'm about to finish my degree. I currently am a rugby player at my college. Um, that was one of the craziest decisions I've ever made. I'm so proud I did it. (laughs) And, uh, next year I'll be working with student veterans of America at my school, uh, help putting veterans through college. And so, uh, that's kind of the gist of what I'm doing right now. I'm pursuing a career in media and, um, just chase after things I enjoy. So I really, really love where my life's at right now. New rugby. Holy cow. Like that, that's a man's sport right there. It's, it's something. It's something I never thought I'd be doing. I never imagined myself being a rugby player. And now that I, you know, I share the pitch with the players I play with, it, you know, it's something that I wish I would have been introduced to earlier. Look at sure. that, that scar there on his eye. That's, for, that's a rugby injury right there. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a pretty fun one. Pretty fun one. Chicks dig scars. You know, I haven't gotten too much flack for this one, but uh, I definitely use it to my advantage at Gasparilla. So, <laughs> at where? So uh, in, in Tampa, Florida, there's this thing called Gasparilla. Um, they, for our local Kansans around here, they have this thing called Fake Patty's Day. You've heard of that? It's yeah, a yep. like, Irish holiday. Yeah. You go and you, you day drink and all that fun stuff. And in Tampa, down by the river, by the Bay Area, actually, um, they have this uh, event every year in January called Gasparilla. And everyone dressed up like pirates. There's pirate ships in the bay. There is, uh, there is like parades. It's crazy. Anyways, I made sure to keep my stitches in until after Gasparilla, just so I could have <laughs> the best makeup out there out of anybody. <laughs> so I definitely used it to my advantage. Picked up a couple girls' phone numbers, and they're like, "What happened?" And I'm like, "Oh, you, you got to hear this." So you should see the other guy. Yeah, you should, you should see the other guy. <laughs> so uh, just just good times playing rugby. Definitely getting some scars, and uh, you know, memories along the way. So something to remember my boys by. Yeah, so where did, where did you grow up at? I grew up here in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, for the first eight years of my life, I um, kind of moved around, and then this is where my family ended up hunkering down at. And I was here until I graduated high school. Okay, you say here as in Wichita, right? Here as in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Okay. I've uh, lived in multiple cities around the area between um, Wichita, Mulvane, Hutchinson. Uh, so I would say here as in Kansas. Okay. And the, like, 
our surrounding uh, Wichita. So uh, siblings? Siblings. I have one sister and three stepbrothers. Um, I am number four out of five uh, out of that lineup. And uh, that's a very fun dynamic in my family. Uh, explain that. Um, me and my stepbrother are the same age. And then my middle stepbrother and my sister are the same age. And so it definitely made for a very busy and chaotic childhood with <laughs> all of us having events at the same exact time. Oh, yeah. You mean like sporting events or, sporting or events, concerts? music, or, concerts, yeah. all of that. Graduations, all of it. And you throw all the cousins in the mix and it gets even more busy. Oh, it was chaotic. <laughs> Absolutely chaotic. Man, I can tell you, I'm not going to lie. From a parent's perspective, I was so happy when all of my kids one year were like, you know, I'm not really feeling like softball and baseball this year. It's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> because it, it seemed like like three or four days a week we were traveling to different places, doing different things. And, you know, I mean, they were occupying their time with other useful things. It wasn't just like they sat down and had an Xbox controller in their hand. But um, uh, I was just like, I was so happy. So I feel that a hundred percent. I feel that from a parent level. How how were birthdays? Were they were they similar? Were they like same months or anything? Birthdays like that? were tough. I'm 17 days older than my stepbrother, and so a lot of times uh, we'd share a birthday party, or um, like my dad and stepmom are I think two days apart, so things like that. So sometimes you feel like you get a little bit gypped. Yeah, but and, and and because of privacy reasons, I'm not asking you like when you were born, but mm-hmm. were is your is your birthday around like a holiday or anything? To where like did they try to roll your birthday into a holiday? Luckily, I did. I don't have that problem. Yeah, do you have any siblings that do? Where it's um, like their their birthdays on like December twentieth, and like no. so they're yeah okay. I, I've always asked that. Of that was people. me and my sister. Yeah, I've always <laughs> asked that of people like because it's like they get gypped. You know, most people get like a birthday and Christmas, whereas like some people like that, it's just like a birth christmas thing you know so i'm very lucky to have a have a fall birthday yeah so I'm, so so you say you say step parent or step sibling so or do you come from a divided household then i take it or yeah but when i was uh around eight years old my parents got a divorce and then um i think two or three years after that my father remarried and uh, that's actually how i met nate is uh, my father married his aunt Oh, okay. So uh, we met when I was around nine years old, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. And um, awesome experience. Very awesome experience. He has to say that because you're sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. It was an awesome experience growing up with 14 cousins. And I mean, just. Dude. My, I have such a family. I have such a small family. Like, that would be overwhelming to me. Yeah. Absolutely overwhelming. I mean, there's 35, 40 people at family Christmas every year. <laughs> it's insane. Dude, there was like four. At yeah. mine. No, five. Five. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, me. Five. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, the nice thing is, you know, all the money got spent on me. So, I mean, I, I, I always was well taken care of when it came to that those That is a good things. perspective. Yeah. That is a good perspective. So, uh, I guess I'll get right down in the weeds. Uh, what, what was it like, you know, going through a divorce as a kid? Through, uh, as a kid going through that, I was around eight years old when my parents split. And so, dealing with that, I didn't have... I guess I didn't know what was going on as uh, as a kid, and looking back at it now, it's nothing that I'd ever want to volunteer anyone to go through. Um, d- divorce is dirty. Divorce is it, it's nasty. It's not something anyone wants to go through. And um, having to like pick sides in your family was definitely very yeah. tough. And um, neither one of my parents had been divorced before, so it was very uh, different for them, I guess you could say. And so. Um, I, I feel for them, definitely feel for them. And so, um, 
Do, yeah. do you feel, do you feel like it, it shaped you in any way? Like, had you, you know, the man sitting before us today was obviously shaped by that experience. Like, what are, what are some maybe like positive things that you feel like you maybe came from that? Like, that gave the perspectives it gave you. Positive things that came from my parents divorcing would have to be just willing to adapt. Um, with, in my childhood, I never knew where I was going to be every night, um, which parent I'd be with, you know, what I'd be doing, um, where I'd be sleeping. Um, with my mother, she definitely, uh, I don't want to say a mess. My mother's no longer with us, but, uh, wasn't, wasn't the best planner. And so, uh, when I was spending time with her, it was definitely a, a very tough lifestyle to live. And so, um, it was definitely a interesting, interesting childhood. I yeah. Guess you, you say it like, like a lot of spontaneity, that kind of thing, basically. Yes. <laughs> Everything was on the fly and, um. Uh, I, I never knew what I was going to expect huh. every day. Just just in the limited conversation, and I'm pulling out of here, so just just feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also interesting in the, the little bit that we've talked, even before we started recording and stuff. I can I can already kind of see some of those dynamics. Like for instance, that jack of all trades. You know, again, you were bouncing around, so mm-hmm. you were kind of used to like maybe doing all these different things. So that was ne- normal and natural to you. But then the spontaneity you maybe didn't necessarily like. So, you know, you were talking about with your podcast, like you write it all. You wanted an outline maybe for today. And stuff. so mm-hmm. it's like this, like you've got this, like the mix of the two and you've mm-hmm. made it like your own deal. Absolutely. Uh, you know, which is what I found with a lot of different people in the same way that we, I train people in law enforcement is, is like, you know, you're, you're learning a way, not the way. So it's like you go to all these different people and train and then you make it your own. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't think there's any correct way to do anything. But um, having an understanding of what needs to be done and how to do it and your environment around you definitely helps you be successful in, in anything you try and achieve. And so it was difficult growing up as a kid not knowing what was going on because I didn't have the experience that I have now. And I mean, I was a child, you know. Yeah. And so it definitely put, put undue stress on a, on a kid that I wouldn't want to put on the, another someday. Yeah. So did you did since you were moving around a lot? I assume you had to like remake friends pretty v- regularly. Very regularly. How was that? Um, I would like to say I'm pretty good at it, making friends. <laughs> I, he is. He can he can find a friend anywhere. We will, at, he, at the airport. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I think one of my best talents is being able to connect with strangers, um, and meeting people where they are, however however they are, and uh, finding topics that we relate on. And so I had to become an expert at that from a very young age because I didn't know where I was going to be, who I was going to be with. And I had to build my support systems from the ground up. Um, so how, how do you feel that, uh, like those, those relating to people? Like, I mean, obviously that, that is all what podcasting is, in my opinion, um, is, is just finding those things that you can, you can talk about or share experiences. Like, for instance, you know, we may have very different, like, you know, hot button issue topics that you yeah. said not to talk about, mm-hmm. but, you know, finding ways to relate to people and have conversations in those. Do you, did you find that like is, Absol- is helpful you, for you in the podcasting? Absolutely. And so I, whenever I do podcasting, I not only do I like to build a relationship with the person I'm going to interview. And so everyone that has had a episode on my show, I've had a relationship with. But I also identify a platform that I can relate them to whenever I communicate with my audience. And so every podcast is very different that I, that I put out. And so I, when I have viewers, I want them to expect something different, but something entertaining, educational, informational. And so um, it's just finding those things in people because I think everyone has a story and everyone has valuable input. It's Amen. just finding what it is in each person. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be the right person to talk about 
certain issues that you may want to hear from me and I just will avoid them. But um, what I think that my talents are is just finding those within others. Definitely finding those within others. Yeah. So uh, if we kind of rewind a little bit again, so what was like your school experience as a whole? I mean, was that, did that feel pretty tumultuous or did you, did you think that, you know, like it was just kind of normal for you and you just like chameleoned into it, I guess. So I did, I think 10 of my school years in uh, the Mays school system, USD 266 in Wichita, Kansas, Mays, Kansas area. And um, I went from times where I would change school, I'd change, I'd change class, I would go from Wichita, and I spent two weeks at Nickerson High School, or Nickerson Middle School, with uh, my stepbrother, and I think it was called RVMS. Mm-hmm. Reno Valley. I went, I went there for two weeks, and then I spent one year at Mulvane Elementary School in fifth grade, and then I um, switched middle schools and high schools as well. I went to Mays Middle School, um, and then I went to Mays High School. I did all four years there. That was pretty cool get to have four years uh, continuous but um it just it threw me in different environments it definitely gave me a lack of consistency because you would build a foundation somewhere not only within like your support system but like your educational foundation of like where are you in school and what do you need to learn and how are you performing and when you just rip, rip a kid out of that and throw them in somewhere else they lose all that not only do they they lose their their progress but they have to rebuild their support system and so that definitely affected my education but by the time I got to high school, I had some stability. And so I definitely had to play some catch up, but it, it ended up working out in the end. Cool. So uh, after primary school, where did where, that take you? Uh, prim- so primary school as in uh, when I'm like- Once you're done with high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I ended up joining the army. Um, I, when I was going through the school system, I thought I would never go to college. I didn't view myself as someone who was good at education. I viewed myself as someone who went to college because they had to, or, or sorry, went to high school because they had to, and I passed my classes because it was easier to get C's than it was to fail and deal with all those problems. Yeah, and so I graduated high school with like a two point seven GPA. I, I didn't have any any of my ducks in a line. I was the class clown. I didn't care about doing my homework. I would pretty much ace the tests and I get zeros on my my take home homework, and that would get me through my classes. So the courses I did good in were the courses I enjoyed, and those were my music courses and my science courses and everything else I just I didn't care about. I didn't focus because it wasn't important to me. And so um, I enlisted in the Army. That was, at the time, that was the best option that I had. I didn't really have direction. I didn't want to work minimum wage forever. That was something I was interested in. And so... Uh, it's okay. They just made it $15, and everything's fine now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I... I enlisted, and uh, after uh, after shipping off and, and doing that, I actually ended up uh, using the GI Bill to go to college. So, um, join the army to go see different places, and you end up in Fort Riley, Kansas. That was awful, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let me tell you a little about a little bit about that if you're interested. So, so uh, were you yeah. actually a part of the Big Red One, or yes? What? Okay. So I. Um, I was actually in the same unit as my grandpa, 50 years apart. Okay, now that's freaking cool. That, that's something I'm really proud of. And so uh, that's my dad's dad. Uh, both of my grand, my grandpas on my father's side of the family both served at Fort Riley. Um, I don't know about, about our grandpa, what unit he was in. But I know with my dad's dad, we were both in 267. Uh, he was in Signal Battalion, and I was in Signal Company. And so uh, they had some rebranding, I guess, over 50 years between him and I. But uh, that was something I was really proud of whenever I, we, we, we put it together. We were, so 
wasn't isn't battalion battalions like a little bit higher right like yep. battalions like the highest kind of like the big well, umbrella you, you, you brigades um you, you man it's been so long oh my gosh <laughs> Put you on the spot. Wasn't in the outline. Yeah, the cub was. <laughs> <laughs> your, your company, you know, your, your company is the immediate people around you. And, um, usually those can be anywhere from like 20 to 60 people, depending on how many different uh, components there are in it. And then, um, I mean, sometimes there's multiple platoons within your company and then your company has your battalion. It's been a minute. Sorry for the internet. And, uh, <laughs> looks like that shut off. Gonna get okay. roasted. And then, <laughs> um, after that, um, you have your brigade, and I believe Fort Riley had three brigades. Um, first, second, sustainment. I was part of sustainment brigade. And then above that, I think it's your division. I'm pretty sure it's been a minute. Yeah. I kind of kept my head down right. when I was in. Yeah. And so A work smarter, not harder mentality, probably. They don't, and a lot of the times, they don't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. The work smarter than harder is not the way of the military. And so... Um, I think my my leaders meant the best, but in the moment, in real time, I hated a lot of them. And I I reach out to some of them after service because I have some of their phone numbers. And I appreciate them for going through that adversity that I needed to grow. But, um, you know, it, that pushed me to the edge at the moment. You know, there was there was times that I almost took my own life because of the way that I was treated when I was in the service. Interesting. So basically, we kind of we kind of started the conversation on leadership, and I must admit, I just had a an oops moment. Um, I hit record instead of pause, <laughs> so like, I uh, we just started recording again, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oops, we have it on there. Hi. Um, uh, but we we didn't miss like like all of it, like a significant amount, but um. So we're talking about that leadership aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think so. So what you're trying to, I think if I'm gathering and can kind of just put it into a nutshell. So you're saying like leadership had pretty much a, a profound effect on you. Very much. And, and basically how it, how it formulated you not only as a, as a soldier, but as a, as a person as well. Yes. Um, so when you say you were saying that basically when, once you move up further the chain of command, you kind of get detached from, the, the soldiers like it, do you think that is maybe by design so that you you know maybe you aren't you're able to make more of those objective decisions versus Ab- being- absolutely yeah the problem was is when i tried to bring these to light and use my train of command as intended to solve these issues that were directly affecting me as well as others they didn't care and so I would explain issues I'd have with uh, like reprisal. And, you know, we all love reprisal. Very, very great times. And so issues like that or um, issues where I wasn't being treated right or something was being done blatantly wrong, either to me or to someone else, or when I was being punished for things that I didn't believe I should be punished for, um, they just didn't care. It, it was my way or the highway. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, it was, you know, I could press the issue and make things worse for me because it, it doesn't matter if, if you are right, <clears throat> if it's creating too much of a, of a ruckus to fix the issue. Huh. And so I definitely have a shoebox at home full of all of my, uh, military, um, paperwork. And, uh, if anyone knows what a counseling statement is, 
um, from all There's my veterans. All my veterans out there, uh, I have a lot of counseling statements <laughs> for me doing a lot of stupid stuff. And but a, lo- a lot of the times, I felt like I was acting and doing what I believe was right, and uh, got, got in trouble a lot for it. Huh. So. Interesting. Um, that would be difficult, like because that's like ingrained in you. You'd like I'm doing the right thing here, and then it's like, mm-hmm. nope, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, do you still read? You're talking about reading books and stuff. Do you still read? Is that something you still like no, to do? No, not or? at all. It was one of those things where reading books was like, that was my opportunity that I, I, I could do. It was do nothing or read a book. Um, well, okay. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Uh, if you ever have a chance, like even audiobook, like if you're on a plane or you're on a long drive or something, um, you can always go back and reference this, this podcast to get it if you forget what it is. But a guy by the name of uh, D. Michael Abershoff or Michael Abershoff wrote a book called It's Your Ship. I've talked about it on the podcast before. And it was an interesting thing because I've always had from my very uneducated on the military experience. But it's just something that I think is cool. So I do re- different research on things and like want to know. But he captained a, sh- a naval vessel. Um, and it had, it had weapon systems on it. I'm not sure what kind of ship it was but it had weapon systems on it and as a result it's going to have communications equipment etc and he had a very unique perspective on his leadership in in the military where he encouraged people on his ship to think outside the box like he and like there was this way where they were doing the, the exercises like spinning up to deploy like you were talking about but like basically the naval version and they found that there was this this was in the day when like satellites were kind of a new thing when he was writing the book that basically the throughput on those satellites was limited, you know, because there weren't, there wasn't that same coverage in all the satellites like you were talking about around the globe. And he had a guy that basically kind of somehow reworked it. Um, he explains it much better in, in the book, but he kind of like thought, Hey, you know, captain, this is a way better way of doing this. And the dude was like phenomenal. Good job. You know? And then, like, same things with, like, weapon systems, people, and stuff like that. How long ago was this book? Uh, I just put, I just, I just uh, brought it up. I feel like, uh, Jocko talks a little bit, like, about that kind of thing in his extreme ownership books. And, uh, um, just, like, giving the power and opportunity to his guys to make those decisions. Of course, it's, those were combat missions for Jocko, so people have to be able to think on their own. Well, I mean, this is the same thing. I mean, you, you literally have people on this ship that are making, decisions on how to fire when to fire making sure that it's accurate and the way they communicate because like a weapon system in the ship had like three people like us and we're all having to like do our part to ensure that that missile or that bullet hits where it's supposed to hit Mm -hmm. and if one of us isn't in sync or whatever then it might hit but it might not be as accurate or as effective um and to answer your question 2002 when the book was published so quite a while ago jocko was similar time period and I kind of wonder if, like, 20 years later now, you know, like, if they haven't pushed to where it is more micromanagement style instead of that, that free thinking, you know? Because um, I know, like, in just, like, government in general nowadays, like, they're trying to push us to where we're not free thinking people to where we're just a pawn, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so one of the things um, that I love that I took away from this book was – uh when it came from that leadership side of things, it's kind of polar opposite of what you were talking about is <clears throat> he drinking on a naval vessel is like huge. No, no huge. So when they were getting supplies for the ship, he told whoever it was that got the supplies, 
here's money because they have like this discretionary cash that like if they pull into port and there's like some cool food there or like these amazing steaks or whatever, they can like buy that for like morale, you know. He told that guy, go buy 20 cases of beer. And the guy was like, uh, Captain, like we can't. He goes, you don't know, buy 20 cases of beer like that's an order kind of thing. And he said, and then and then here's what's going to happen there. You're going to put it in the fridge. You're going to lock the fridge and you are the only person that has a key. So if it if it comes up missing or anything's gone, like it's your ass. And he was just like, "Uh oh, well, come to find out what they did was they pulled into port where they were going to have like leave, um, whatever they called that. So what he did was he pulled a barge up next to the ship and then they had these like ladders and you could climb down the ladder onto this barge where they had these huge grills set up and they were doing like steak and shrimp and they had music and the beer. So they weren't actually consuming the beer on the ship. They were consuming the beer on a barge. And so like those are the outside the box thinking things like that. It seems like that you're bringing to the table. I very much do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like um, where it's like, okay, I'm still accomplishing a mission. I'm still following the rules. I'm still doing what needs to be done. And at the end of the day, with like what Jocko says with the decentralized command and also people hate common core math. But like the thing that I found is like if you like, for instance, um, the way that we were taught to do, um, at least for me, the way I was taught to do factoring and algebra was the foil method, right? First, outside, inside, last. And you would factor and put those two together. My son has this like box that he puts each of those terms in. And it's basically foil, but it's a more visual method. And it's like, I saw that and I was like, where was this when I was in school? Because if you take like a fish and a monkey and an elephant and say uh, a dog, and I'll ask them to climb a tree. Which ones are probably going to be more, you know, the monkey's probably going to do okay. The dog might make it up there, but the, the, the fish, nah. The elephant, nah. So that's like standardized testing and thou shalt do math the same way. Mm-hmm. And so to circle back, what I'm trying to get at here is there's like more than one way to accomplish the goal and accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. And like, just because it's always been done this way, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean it's the best or most effective or most efficient. And so I would encourage you, like as you journey through life, if you find yourself in those leadership positions, like continue to be a um, uh, multiplier, like a genius finder and let those people do those things. And which is easier in the civilian market too, because it's like, it's not nearly as rule bound and tradition bound. And, and you're, you're legitimately not trained to be that way you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think it's just inculcated in that tradition of like that's just the way it is and we're it's always been done that way and we're not going to change it which i i totally get tradition like tradition is cool um but i think it's interesting um that that book is something i think that you will love because it has some of what you did in the military but it also has some of those things um about kind of how to that outside the box thinking and he ended up like getting kudos from the higher ups, like the admirals and stuff like, holy cow, because his ship was literally the best, the most efficient, the most accurate, everything. So, um, you got to take care of your people and they'll take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, how many times have we said that? <laughs> Lots. You know, you'd still be able to build houses if you did. Um, so, <laughs> um, if, so like post military, like as you're getting out, was that a tough adjustment? Like, um, getting that free thinking mindset. I mean, you never really left, but you had to train yourself to not be that way. You know, was that a tough adjustment coming back? So getting out of the military, it, 
I got out. I don't want to use the word, the big C word, but um, I got out about three months before lockdowns. And so um, having my freedom back, being able to act for myself, make my own decisions and uh, just like live my own dream. It was crazy. And mm-hmm. that was my first time as an adult. Um, one, having money, but two, being able to make my own decisions and I have to answer to someone else. And so um, initially when I got out, I did a lot of partying. I did a lot of uh, going to the clubs and just, I don't want to say wasting my time, but. It's like a like a Christian girl goes off to college. She's been on lockdown. You know what happens that's, in that situation? That's exactly what happened to me. And so, um, I was I was I was living like I like I was invincible. Yeah. And so that was a uh, very interesting time because I was uh, entering college after going through service is definitely a very different environment than it is someone who gets to show up there right out of high school. You're a lot more mature than those other. Yes. Kids that have already, they're just getting to college. And so I, I, so much more life experience and, um, it's very different experience for sure. But because uh, you were 22, yeah, I was starting college, right? Yeah, I was, I was 20, I was almost 22. Yeah. I was 21, 22. And, um, just a very, very different scene, you know, because these, these aren't the peers I grew up with and I've gone through so much, but like you just want to fit in. And so you want to go have fun and be crazy and be wild and, I uh, I felt like I was on a leash for so long that I had to make up for all the time I had lost. <laughs> and so I I had my fun for about two months and then all the lockdowns started. And uh, that really gave me a time to sit down, relax, and have some time to myself. And throughout those lockdowns, I actually moved up here to Hutchinson and spent about uh, a couple months here with my dad and uh, really got to rekindle him and I's relationship. That was a really cool opportunity that um, – I'm thankful for. It's a shame that lockdowns had to happen for for me to end up there, but uh, it was something I definitely needed. But it's cool to hear something like positive that happened out of that. You know, normally people focus on the negative, mm-hmm. so I think that's cool. And during the lockdowns, I learned to ride horses. I learned to rebuild a motorcycle. I bought an old Model A Ford. That's so. Did cool. a lot of work on that. Um, I planned to cross country that at some point. Um, also during COVID, I. Learned to ride motorcycles, never had a real motorcycle license, so I didn't only rebuild one. But um, did a lot of education on fishing, um, took some online classes on the internet, and uh, moved into my first apartment. So I did a lot of a bit of beneficial things during the lockdowns. So I, I don't look at them all overall as like a bad thing. Do I wish they happened again? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think there was a lot of creativity that was spurred in people during absolutely. that time. You know, like I go to those uh, vendor booths and stuff, and a lot of that has blown up mm-hmm. post-COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's because, like, these people were bored at home, and they, they had this knack for doing something, and then they started creating it. Now they've got this small business they started. Absolutely. Which yeah. I love to see. Another another really great book um, is they talk about like, NASA and the, the uh, moon missions, uh, Apollo missions. Um, that, that they've solved a lot of problems from boredom. Uh, and people came up with these unique solutions while they were sitting on the toilet, while they were fishing, while they were hiking, you know, why their brain wasn't engaged, but it was still engaged just in a different way. So mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Totally, there, totally agree. Yeah. There is, I think, like writer's block, essentially, you know, you're thinking about it over and over and over and trying to figure out this issue. It's like, you got to drop it and go move on and go do something else. And yeah. then, Typically, that's when it comes to you, I feel like. Well, and I, I think it's the same thing. You, you, you know, you see all the stuff about, like, 
when you scroll through reels and stuff like that, just a little dopamine, 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 when we're constantly, our brain's constantly engaged and it's constantly putting out those neurotransmitters and then it gets tired and now it doesn't want to do anything else. So you don't have that when you constantly have like, if I get bored, I can just pick my phone up and I'm watching Game of Thrones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Recently, and, my uh, my family's actually making fun of me for this, my sister and my father. But uh, recently, I established a business line for my phones. And so uh, today, I have my, my beat up, my, my, my daily driver, we're going to call it, got my daily. It's a uh, old Samsung S20 FE, the, the economy phone. And uh, what I did is I took everything I can get stimulation from off. So I don't have any social media platforms, no games, nothing. And then on the other phone, because I do create media for, for so, you know, social media purposes, I, I put it all on there. And uh, the idea was that I'm not going to be sitting there all day yep. just wasting my life away. But I still have my, my internet access. I still have my – I can watch YouTube video if I want to and, you know, go learn. I have Snapchat so I can talk to my friends and Facebook Messenger and, like, WhatsApp. But I don't have all those, like, mindless scrolling. No um, TikTok or Instagram, yeah. that kind of stuff. And so I, I leave the other phone at home. So I don't even have access to it and uh, I only use it when I need to use it. Hmm. And so it's, it's kind of a nice, gives me a little, uh, I can put them in different boxes and have yeah. different relationships yeah. with different devices. Self-accountability there too as well. Absolutely. Because uh, I'm really bad about deleting three hours out of my life, just <laughs> scrolling through, you know, yep. things I don't even really care about. Yep. And so it's very tough. Yeah, my, Elijah deleted Snapchat recently and stuff. And he was just like, we were going through some of his time used on those kind of things. He was like, whoa. Like, so it's been cool. Like, I'll text him. I'll be like, hello, hello. Like, are you going to answer me or what? And he's like, hey, man, I'm doing my best to keep, like, not look at my phone. I'm like, oh, well, in that case, you're, you're forgiven. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so, uh, if, uh, I forgot to ask you, you wanted to be asked about like military police and the perspective there. Yeah. And- so that, what I was saying about that was when I initially joined, um, I feel like I have a very service mentality. Um, my job when I'm here at home, I work in foster care. Uh, I very much, I, I love that gig. I feel like I can relate to those kids a lot. I lost my mom when I was 18, 19 years old. And so I feel like I can relate. And then my relationship with my father was nowhere near where I want it to be. Um, I still, we're still growing. We're, we're still getting better. Um, a lot of it was due to my mother and not, no fault of his own, but, um, I feel like I can relate, I can relate to those kids a lot. And then, um, you know, I do a lot of volunteer work with the clubs I'm a part of right now. I am a part of student veterans of America. And so I'll be doing their media this fall. Um, just working on getting veterans through school and then, uh, the military itself, that's a very, uh, you know, it's a completely volunteer force. You are compensated. You do get benefits. You get a paycheck. But um, police work, that was initially the first job I ever wanted was to be a police officer. And I was going to do it through the military. Um, I initially was going to sign up. And then when I backed out, my mom wouldn't sign the papers. Yeah, right. Um, that was for me to go to base training as, a, as an MP. That was going to be my job. And um, I ended up not picking that. Which, thank goodness, because y'all go through some stuff. <laughs> and um, I can't imagine being a police officer in today's world. That seems like a thankless give or gig. And I can't imagine just the way people treat you. I mean, every time I'm around a police officer, I know how hard their life is, but I get scared. And I'm not even a part of a marginalized community. And I still get nervous. Like, I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh. You know? And so... Just that tenseness of like... 
I could be getting in trouble right now. Yeah, you, know? you, you don't even know why. You, I don't even know why. I, I don't feel like I should feel that way, you know? And so it's, um, but yeah, that was my initial, that's what I wanted to be because I realized how much good and potential they have to do and um, like giving back and building a community that you want to be a part of because a lot of people think that someone else has to do it to create this, you know, utopian world that whatever their worldview may be. And they, they put the burden and responsibility on others mm-hmm. instead of doing it themselves. And so... you got to be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. And Michael Jackson has that song called Man in the Mirror. And when I heard that as a child, that song like really, really st- like struck home with me. You know, is basically you have to make the change you want to see. And you have to be that person that like leads the way. And so as a police officer, you know, that's a gig that... I think in another lifetime, if I have one, I'm, I, I, I may, I may pick up, but man, that's, that, that's something. How, how old are you? I'm 24. Okay. So here's the deal, man. You're probably going to change directions on things. I mean, even if it's, you know, might be podcasting, but then it's like doing reels for Instagram or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably going to change directions like six or eight times, honestly, before, I already you, have. before you figure that stuff out mm-hmm. to where you want to be. So. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, like the nice thing about that, like when it came to the lockdowns, I had a paycheck. I, I've never had to worry about that side of it. Um, let's face it, in our day and age, government's not going away, probably, unless we have like a revolt, you know. Um, so that's the nice thing because you can have like that eight to five, even though that's not what police work is Nowhere to pay near. to pay your bills. But then you can do the side hustles, like for instance. After tomorrow, I start five days in a row off. That's so nice. I can do, granted, I have to work almost 15 to get there. But, <laughs> um, which is why when I work on my days off, I screw myself over. But, um, I can now do whatever I want within reason. You know, I've got a family in those five days. So like I can work on side hustles and I can devote like just vast amounts of time to those things. Um, and, and most places they're going to like what they call a Panama schedule where you're working 12s and you're working the three on two off, two on three off thing. So then you can even devote more time on side hustles and things like that. Um, plus there's a lot of doors opened that I never considered that I never knew that they like, they don't put in a pamphlet and they can't, you know, like when I, uh, was working on, um, uh, the, the only reason I'm, I'm like, uh, one of the reasons I'm going down this rabbit hole is because. Like law enforcement needs more people like you that are willing to think outside the box and are willing to make people not feel the way that you feel. And I found that like you can see that apprehensiveness. Like you notice that when I noticed like you with a nervous energy, like those are the things I key on. But then when people talk to me like this is what they get, mm. I can match their energy. Don't get me wrong. I don't doubt that at all. Don't get me <laughs> I wrong. I don't doubt that at all. You're a big dude. Um, <laughs> if but, I saw you walking up on the street, I would shit my pants. That's <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, most people will tell me like, whoa, like that is not at all what I was expecting. Like I get more thank yous. Like I had a lady the other day, like I wrote her a ticket and she's like, Hey, thank you so much. I'm like, Oh, you're grand- Congratulations on your $160. Thank you, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you know, so the reason I'm going down this rabbit hole is like, for instance, I just got done replanting the grass in my yard because of how I've lived my admirable life, at least semi-admirable. I'm no, nowhere near perfect. And, and conducted myself admirably through my work. Like, for instance, I was going to have a tree stump dug out. And, and the reason this is important is because they would never put this in they can't. They, I don't think, you, like, how do you put this in a pamphlet to say be a cop? But I had found a guy through just dealing with him on a case where 
his children were being victimized. Um, and that's all I'm going to say there. Um, you can fill in the gaps as to what's going on in today's society. And, and I, I worked that case and like I put my heart into that case and I did a, 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 what I think is a phenomenal job on that case. And so when I need my tree stump ground out, I called him and I was like, Hey, would you come by and do this? And there's two parts of this story. Number one, he was like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, Hey, what do you, what do you charge? And he charged me like one third of what he normally charges. Like just because, I mean, I would assume because of the work I did, I didn't ask for it, but I was like, sweet, you know? And the second part of that was he said, I'm not doing anything until a locate's done. Because if I hit anything, because he goes way down, you know, to, to dig all that stump out, he's like, I can get a $10,000 fine if, um, if I hit something. So he's like, I'm not, and he's like, it's Friday afternoon. He's like, if you call 811, nobody's coming out until Monday. I was like, nah, I got that covered too. So I call different people that I know and I'm like, Hey, can you come to my house real quick and locate this? 15 minutes later, I had locates done. And so, like, those are the things that, like, nobody tells you about and sells you on. Plus, you get crazy discounts on, like, tactical gear. Um, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. Or or things like that, like, the companies will get. Like, I I can get, like, a $1,300 scope for a rifle for, like, 600 bucks. you know? And so those are the things they don't really tell you. And, like, if you go to um, D.C. to visit, like, the National Mall, like, I walked around all the metal detectors. All I had to do was, like, show my credentials and sign a book. And, there, by the way, there are tons of cops in those buildings off-duty carrying guns at any given time. Don't go to the National Mall and try to shoot it up because you're going to be full of holes. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're an active killer listening to this podcast, that is not a place to go. Um, so, like, you know, there, there are those things. Um, and, you know, who knows where, where life will take you. But where I'm at, I am super lucky. Um, we're well paid. We're well equipped. The community came out in droves to support us when they wanted to cut one of our positions. So I think it's all about just the perspective and also the police work because there's a neighboring jurisdiction that it's like you, I've said this before on the podcast, but you cross this like invisible line and it's a completely different experience. Like when I go over there, but on the flip side, I've dealt with those people. So when they see me, they're like, Hey, like, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad it's you and not that other guy, you know? And so it's all in how you, you know, if, if all you do in your community is press hard fourth copies yours, like, you know, uh, that's like on a ticket, press hard fourth copies yours. Like we give you the back copy. Um, mm-hmm. and that's all you do with your community. Of course they're going to hate you. I mean, that's the same thing that happened in Nickerson with their police department. I don't remember if you guys or if mm-hmm. you were around during that time, but like they literally were riding people for like three miles over the speed limit. I love Just that. Just hammering people. It was a speed trap. It was terrible. It was bad. And even to the point as a law enforcement officer, I was scared to drive through there. <laughs> and, and as a result, the community came out and said, we're done. We don't want a police department anymore. And they, they, they got rid of it, dissolved it, gone. See ya. It no longer exists to this day. We the people, I guess. Exactly. That's crazy. Which I thought was cool as hell, by the way. Um, so it just really depends, you know, and it depends on the climate. Like you hear Bill talk about Kansas City. Kansas City um, on the west side is mainly, you know, liberally controlled and like the, the environment is very different. The, the politics and how the city is managed is different, whereas the east side of Kansas City is not as liberal. It's more conservative and the way it's managed, the way it's and it's like significantly different crime rates. But there's literally an invisible line to separate the two. So um, and it's of course, literally it's it's the border, right, between Missouri and yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 please understand, like this is not me trying to get into like conservatives are better than liberals or anything. I was just illustrating a point, um, because it's so much more of a diverse thing than that. But um, it's just it's just uh, I'll tell you, I've had significantly more positive experiences than I've had negative in this in this line of work, and it's because I think outside the box too. 
um, I've pushed myself to do things and find solutions to problems and be that guy that people can go to. So I think if you did get into something like that, you would prosper very much. It's so. just, it's, it's tough because, um, man, it's a very, what is the reward for you being a police officer? As far as like, what do I get out of it? Yes. I mean, I, I, I would have to just put a word there of fulfillment, but I, I'm, I'm sure you want more than that. <sighs> I like the fact that I am literally the line, the person that upholds people's constitutional rights. That like that is something I hold so very near and dear. And I took that oath to the Constitution. And I literally like nothing is stopping me. Like when if I have you pulled over on the side of the road, um Okay. We are for sure live this time. So I'm I'm literally the constitutional line. So if I have you pulled over on the side of the road, like honestly, who, not what, but who is stopping me from pulling you out of that car, putting you in handcuffs, putting you in the back of my car and just tossing your car because I want to. There's nothing. And that's what scares me. And so, and so that's what is fulfilling to me is the fact that I can have people still believe in something. I can help them still believe that like our system is worth it. Because we're, you know, we're not taught to love our country anymore. Um, I think as, as a whole and what we see in our social media. And I'm just, cause like I've said this on the podcast before, no amount of TikTok videos, news media releases, body camera footage, anything is going to mend what the media has destroyed for law enforcement. The only thing that will fix it is the one on one interactions that when you have somebody pulled over on the side of the road, when they've been battered by their husband or wife, when they've been, victimized by somebody stealing something from them you know all the things that we have contact with people those are the only things that are going to mend those fences and if we aren't holding to those constitutional values we never will so that's for me is that's the fulfillment of like you were talking about in the military you you're you're that cog in the bigger picture like i'm helping to give life to the constitution I guess is my, my, and also holding your other fellow cops accountable for not. I've I've charged cops. Like I have, I've literally submitted cases to prosecuting attorneys on other cops. Um, holding your own accountable is a huge thing. Yeah. That is crazy. And anyway, it was not an enjoyable experience. Did you feel like there was backlash from others in your department when you were taking actions upon others like that? (laughs) No, because. Of how I handled myself in other cases. They knew that if I was doing something like that, that it was righteous. Um, that specific officer, of course, there was backlash. You know, no one wants to get caught doing the wrong thing. Um, especially from his family, um, and stuff. And there, that was a really terrible experience. I mean, cause he, even lashing out at my family as a result of, of their actions, you know, all I'm doing is just holding you accountable for your actions. And that's, that's the issue with the small town stuff though. Not as much. Oh yeah. As you know, town. everyone. Yeah. Like I, I literally like pointed a gun at one guy, ordered him down and put him in handcuffs. The next day he was my cashier at Dylan's. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy. That's, that's the kind of stuff you go through in small town America. But the cool thing about small town America is like, I'm everything. I'm SWAT. I'm detective. I'm, I'm, I'm everything. Like, that, that's a lot of load to put on one person. Man, you want to talk about learning experiences though. <laughs> it, like you were talking about how you were bored once the mm-hmm. links were up and established. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I don't doubt that. It's, it's different every day. All the like, different trainings you go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, that's that's my fulfillment out of it to answer your question um, in the long run. And also why I want to run for sheriff in the next election is you're literally the highest law enforcement power in the land. Nobody can tell you what to do except the voters when they go to a ballot box. And I can literally tell the federal government when they show up to do things to pack sand. Like, I'm not helping you. I mean, granted, they can still do things on their own. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, no, that's a violation of the Constitution. Not going to do that. Have fun, though. So it sounds like you very much back the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And I took an oath to it when I was 18 years old. So it, it matters to me as well. Big constitutionalist. And so I'm, I'm curious. How do you feel about people who are, uh, I guess we could say, amendment audit like auditors? People mm-hmm. who audit, who I think you know what I'm talking about. I uh-huh. watch a lot of ridiculous YouTube videos. Um, not only people who are like run around with firearms and they're they're legally in the right, but they're 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 causing a lot of friction. I guess you could say they're they're, they're trying to get paid. Is I mean essentially what it is. Um, is how I feel. And 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 hear me out on that because I've been through one. I've, I've had, been through yeah, an audit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really. Um, guy showed up at our city office that I went to high school with. Um. Camera, you know, set it down on the table, you know, and wanted to do a Kansas Open Records Act request. And, you know, of course, I mean, like there's a very established policy and like, okay, here you go. Here's the documentation, you know, and he requested the record when there was no record responded. And that was essentially it. But his whole YouTube page is stuff like that of him trying to anger people. And law enforcement officers and getting, and, them then, lash out. and getting them to make an ass of themselves so then he can essentially make fun of them or get views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, too. I mean, you're seeing how many likes on those kinds of videos. It's like, crazy. In know, the comment just, sections. I mean, it's just like, you know, people want to see that because that's the entertaining stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't have the statistics, statistics here in front of me, but I've looked at them from like um, the uniform crime report of things. You know, you are statistically more likely as an underrepresented community, like whatever minority, whatever word you want to put to it, to be struck by lightning than you are to be killed by a law enforcement officer. There are hundreds of probably hundreds of millions of law enforcement contacts a day, fractions of which result in lethal force encounters. But you would think the signal guy that I told you about, man, he hates us. And I play video games with a guy. <laughs> I, I don't think he hates me because we've had conversations and he's like, oh, okay, you're pretty cool. But you would think that what you see on YouTube and the media and everything, that that's all we do, <laughs> you know? And, and Porsche was the same way. His law enforcement or his dad was killed by, a, or excuse me, his brother was killed by a law enforcement officer. And so like he was terrified of us, didn't like us, etc. And through just us being us, he was like, oh, you know, that's not so bad. So, I mean, you know, I think that it's like there's those are cherry picked, you know, and then put out there. And then like, that's what people see. And they're like, that's all we do. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like, <laughs> no, like that is a part of what can happen. Mm-hmm. But you also get like every time a case is looked at by the Supreme Court, they use the totality of the circumstances. Like we look at the whole picture from the time the incident started to the time the incident ended. And like, then we make an informed decision on the case from there. Whereas like from the video you see on YouTube, you're getting this like six second clip where all you see is me beating the hell out of you. And that's it. They didn't see the fact that like you were pointing a gun at me three seconds before that or whatever. And because it has no relevance to getting the likes and the shares and the ad revenue. So, um, that was a long rabbit hole into, I don't, (laughs) I don't mind. Sorry. I don't mind the auditors. I love the challenge actually. And more than anything, this might sound weird, kind of honored at the test of like, 
I hell yes, I will help you support your your amendments of your for like first, second, third, whatever amendment right to whatever it is that you want. Hell yes, I will stand up to that challenge. Let's do it. You know, I I want to be the person giving you the information and hold being me accountable and hold me accountable. Yeah, that's yep. the whole idea. That's like what exactly what our framers intended. You might be warring, warranting yourself a lot of a uh, lot of work here soon, <laughs> putting that challenge out. <laughs> it's not a challenge. I mean, my thing is, is like, come in and talk to me. I have no problem. Like, mm-hmm. I'll answer the questions. I mean, there are obviously certain things like juvenile records that I can't divulge mm-hmm. um, by law. Um, but what do you want to know? Like, uh, I'm an open book. There's this. Come uh, ride with me. Absolutely. (laughs) There's this YouTube channel. It's called Audit the Audit. You ever heard of it? It's a, it's very, very educational. And, uh, it basically takes police interactions and it references different, um, like Supreme Court cases, other like local, um, federal and state laws. And it basically analyzes police interaction and then the people that are acting with and it gives them like grades on a, on a A through F scale. I watch it way more than I should. But um, basically what I've learned from that is uh, whenever, I have a, whenever I have a police interaction is to pull my phone out, record so that, you know, I can have evidence on because it's a very he said, she said game. And then um, to just avoid answering as many questions as possible. Amen. Uh, the, I, I would I would concur with that statement. And um, a lot of times they're going to it seems like they're going to bully you or oppress you or make you feel like you have to. But you do not give up all this information and then they're going to get upset that you're recording and stuff like that. But that's, that's what I do every time. You know, I have a dash cam in my car. It it records front and back and it has audio. And so, um, I've been in a car wreck and that saved me from there. I, I was at fault according to the the case. And then the dash cam footage, uh, I ended up winning. That was fantastic. But um, when I get pulled over, I, you know, I have that in my arsenal as well. And it, it has my speed. So if a cop says I'm speeding, you know, I can say, no, I wasn't. Like, haha, got you there. But um, I'm just, I get really nervous. And so a lot of times when I'm not following their re- demands, even though I don't have to legally do them, like develop, like, where are you coming from? It's like, I don't have to tell you that. Correct. Kind of things. Where are you going? I don't have to tell you that. You know, and we, I, I'm treated like I'm the bad guy. I don't yeah, understand that. Basically, it's, it's, you know how you have contempt of court? Like you can, you can, like if you don't follow the judge's orders, it's contempt of court. Mm-hmm. We call that a lot of law enforcement officers like to hang their hat on like disorderly conduct and obstruction or interference with a law enforcement officers. What it's called, mm-hmm. um, and we call those contempt of cop. Okay. So you know, essentially, you're not like I am the authority figure here. Blah blah blah. But I mean, to to give you an idea is, um, I've talked about this on the podcast too. Um, is my son was stunt my son stole or shouldn't say stole he found a credit card or a debit card a financial card and rather than turning it in like we've discussed he decided he was going to go to dollar general and different places and buy himself some things that's i'm the one that caught that case developed my own son as a suspect and of course handed that case off to a different agency to investigate from there but i stopped my law enforcement and you know most most you'd think most cops are going to be like you're going to be held accountable and you're going to blah, blah, you know, all this other kind of stuff. I went home. The deputy showed up at my house, read my kid his Miranda rights. So my kid looks at me and I'm like, you tell him you don't wish to speak to him without an attorney present. And he's like, but dad, he's like, I, I really want to. I said, no, son, you don't. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, okay. I don't want to talk to you without an attorney. And the deputy looks at me and goes, seriously? I said, seriously, get out of my house. That's and crazy. 
And so that's my thing. Like I'll ask people, I'm very conversational and like I even go up and above and beyond. So like, for instance, let's say I go up and I make a voluntary contact with you, which I can do. I can walk up and say, is it okay if I talk to you for a moment? And if you tell me yes, then we can converse. If you tell me no, I have to pack stand and leave. Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, and like, let's say I'm curious of who there are because I'm thinking maybe they're doing some, some type of criminal, um, type thing. That's the whole reason I'm contacting you. I will tell them, Hey, do you have an ID I can look at just to let you know you are not required to provide me with that ID. If you tell me to pack sand and you don't want to provide do. it, I will leave. Mm-hmm. And I, and every single time I've told people that they always hand it to me. And I don't know if I'm just maybe getting some trust there of where like, okay, this guy's not here to screw me over. Like I'm, I'm doing more than I'm required by law, constitutional law, um, state statute. I'm, I'm informing them of their rights because it amazes me how many people don't know their rights. It even amazes me even further how many law enforcement officers don't know their case law. And I even learned a new one yesterday. I mean, it's like one of them things where there's like probably hundreds, if not thousands of different cases and case law that come out. So it's, it's hard to be up on all of them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you, these are the things you deal with the most. So you're probably pretty more versed in those than some of these niche things. But yeah, I, uh, you know, and pe- people record me. I'm just like, yeah, I'm recording too. Like at least it's mutual, you know, and I'm not confrontational about it. Like, what do I have to hide? Like what? I don't care if you're recording me. I mean, I'm literally recording you. So what's the, there's nothing illegal about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, if you, one of these days when you're up here, you should totally come ride with me sometime. That sounds scary. Um, <laughs> why? I don't know. What if we get in trouble? You know? Get in trouble? How? I don't know. What, what, what if uh, you get a call? Do I just get out? Or how does that work? It depends whether you want to go or not. Okay. <laughs> can I vlog it? Huh? Can I vlog it? Like the ride along? Like, yeah. Can I be like, be hey, a, guys. It wouldn't be a violation of my policy or anything. Hmm. That sounds like a cool time. <laughs> I mean, you can could I see, wear a fake cop costume? Uh, that would be very frowned upon. That'd be frowned upon. Would, 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 is, is there, is it riding? Is it illegal or? No, it would be, it would like, we have like kind of like a dress code. We have kind of okay. like a dress code thing that, you know, basically need to like look professional and put together and um you know because the thing that would would be bad is if you did wear something like that and then somebody mistook you because Ah. you're with me and then expect something from you and now they're suing my department because a law enforcement officer didn't act the way he was supposed to i see um but yeah i mean i don't see why vlogging it would be an issue my my chief's pretty go with the wind as well so he would probably be like yeah sure not to mention like, let's put some good free, out free there. Free PR. Yeah. Let's put some good out there. I mean, because I'm just going to handle myself like I always do. That sounds awesome. Um, so, yeah. Like, one of these days, man. That would be fun Wh- Which deal. department is this? This is Sterling Police Department. It's where I work. Oh, perfect. 1.671 square miles. A whopping, thriving metropolis. <sighs> wow. But, like, yesterday, I was busy for five solid hours. So, it just depends on, like, what the day brings. Like, it, if, if you were to ride on, like, a Sunday morning, bad time. <laughs> Don't ride on a Sunday morning. But, like... Friday, Saturday evening, like 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Plenty of stuff you could get into. Noted. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to put that on my to-do list. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I uh, – so, you know, especially with the perspective you have, I mean, can you think, like, especially with the auditing stuff, like, you – could you imagine, like, the, what you could bring to the law enforcement, like, job? As in creating media or? No, I mean, as far as, as far as like, if you did choose to do it or even the creating media side mm-hmm. of things, um, never even thought of it from that side of it, but, um, like you, you were literally like be making sure that like people's rights were upheld. For me, it's tough because, um, the interests of others and the interests of myself may not always be the same. 
and then also the interests of my employer. And so sometimes there's going to be a lot of conflict there. Mm. And so I don't know if I could enforce laws I don't agree with or against people who I don't want to. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm getting ready to run for sheriff. If you decide that you want to be a cop, call me. Mm -hmm. I want to hire you. Interesting. Okay, like that that's out there. Because here's the deal. Those are exactly the people that we need. Don't need yes men. Mm-hmm. They're going to follow blindly into these dumbass things that are being done. Like, for instance, cannabis is illegal here. Mm-hmm. Not something that I care to enforce. And I've told my bosses that. Bigger so for, fish to fry. Same same thing. Like, uh, here's here's one example. Um, again, I have been very lucky with where I, where I work and I live. My bosses, again, being small town America, they aren't disconnected from who we are. They still work the street a little bit. Um, whereas if I were to try to do this in like Wichita or Lawrence or Manhattan, uh, I'd probably have my PP slap pretty quick. <laughs> but one of the many reasons I don't go to a bigger department is so in Sterling, Kansas, it's illegal to park on your grass. Really? Yes. That you own. That you own and nice. you pay taxes on and you maintain and you know, ev- everything about the financial. So just turn burden. your whole lawn into concrete? Is that so the solution? Essentially, essentially, if you put rock on it, now it's acceptable. Oh, wow. Like, what the f- so I told my boss, I said, she she was talking about that. Uh, it was a female at that time. And I said, okay, cool. If you want to enforce it, go for it. I'm not. And she's like, what? And I said, they pay the taxes on it. They maintain it. They bought the property. Like, I get there's an easement there. So, like, if they want to put communication cables, like, we don't have to get every single person's, like, written permission. Like, easements make sense. Like, there's that balancing act there, you know. But, um, you know, if uh, if they want to park their car on their grass, they can't. Okay, like this is not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about like the guy that's mething out, that's like stealing everybody's stuff. Yeah, you, you're you know? not there to be a code enforcement officer. Yeah, well, which is what we <laughs> see. Do, and I feel like a lot of times police officers are tax pirates, uh, right? extorting money from people. Absolutely, yep. it, it's part of their budget, is it not? I mean, there's an expected fines and tickets that they're going to bring in, and what's that money used for exactly? Yeah, so at least in in our government structure, like those tickets go what's called into the general fund. So it's like when you were talking about like the what, it's br- for the br- whole city, the brigade level, it goes mm-hmm. into the brigade level, essentially okay. fund. Um, so it's not like if I write you a ticket for a hundred dollars that goes into Sterling PD's budget and we have an extra one hundred dollars to spend like right then and there, you know, now can money be pulled from that general fund to put to the police department and the more money that's in the general fund, can that naturally flow? Sure. Yeah. But I will tell you that like quotas and all that kind of stuff is highly frowned upon by the Supreme Court. And I will tell you, at least at our department, we actively as officers buck when they tell us, hey, you're not writing enough tickets. Hey, you're you're not writing enough. You know, go write more tickets. And there are people above you that will say that. It happens all the time. They they want money. I mean, that's how you pay for things. So so. you want to know you want to know what I do as a law enforcement officer when that gets told to me? You go ticket them. Guess exactly. <laughs> I I do more enforcement on the city manager, mm-hmm. the count, the city commission, and the chief of police if I can find them driving around than I do on anyone else. If mm-hmm. I can find them, okay, you wanted more tickets. There you go. Press hard. Fourth copy is yours. Is that legal? What? Uh, doing that. Sure. Could you be, you couldn't be penalized for that? No, because I mean, if they're violating a traffic ordinance, then sure. I mean, it's not like I'm not making. I'm not saying. Hey, uh, if do me a favor, go make that turn without a turn signal. I promise not to write okay. you a ticket, because that that would then be entrapment. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so so my thing is, what I, I'm I'm sending a message there. Okay, if it's good enough for the goose, it's good enough for the gander, right? Yep. And my thing is, is it's like I'm not here 
as a revenue generation service. I'm here because, like, the revenue generation services inside the city are water, sewer, electricity. Like, those are how you generate revenue for the city. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe grant funds to do different things, right? My, uh, my, the, I like to apply the Pelian law enforcement principles where the whole idea is you do such a good job at policing just in general and being present and enforcing the crimes on like very few people, like the people that are like violent and really causing the problems and stealing that you don't have to intrude into people's lives for pretty much any other reason. Like they kind of manage themselves. You know, most people are just inherently good. I think most people, but most, most people understand that society has laws and rules. So I really frown when they tell me write more tickets. Uh, And that makes me write less because I I will be like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to sit in a parking lot and watch Netflix kind of thing. Like I'm I'm not playing that game. That just isn't my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, if you ever want to do that, like these are the kind of people that we need, homie. Like I'm, I, I, it's, it's tough because I, I think I could be good at it. Send your friends my way then. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I, I have a couple maybe, but, um, I just, I don't know if that's my purpose. Yeah, fair. And so I don't think I found my purpose yet. It, it could be through podcasting. Who knows? But, um, finding your purpose is important and, I feel like policing was something that I wanted to do at some point, but I think my focus has shifted. Well, look at it this way. There are also really great opportunities to be reserve, which is unpaid. You still have all of the same arrest powers and everything. You're just unpaid. Um, and then there's part-time positions where you can work a thousand hours a year and you only have to go to, in Kansas at least, uh, it might be different in Florida if you plan on living there. Um, in Kansas, you only have to go to a two-week academy, which there's, it's actually more like three weeks. There's an online portion now where you get most of it out of the way, kind of online. And then wow. you do more hands-on practical stuff when you attend the academy. So, like, even if you wanted to, like, dip your toe in or you're, like, wanting to kind of scratch that itch but not really jump into the deep end, there, there's other options out there, too. So, as far as your purpose is are you, concerned. Are you a salesman, too? So, no. <laughs> Doing a good job. Hey, man. <laughs> how, 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 do you think, how do you think I get people to, uh, like, admit to crimes? Like, true true criminals. Makes sense, yeah. And that I'm, I'm not talking about like the, did you park your car on your grass? Tell yep. me about it, you know? But I found that... Um, when you find employees, that's what you have to do, though. You have to sell your business to them. Well, you have to sell the mission, too. Yeah. Makes sense. They've got to want to be there because it's a great place to be and because the boss is great and they, everything's great about it, you know? So you've got to sell that product, basically. Yeah, I found, I found with criminals, like true bag people like the, the people that prisons were made for they are con artists at heart like that's just what they do they con people to either get money or property or sex or drugs or whatever it is they want so when you're a law enforcement officer and you show up and you try to con them man they see that they're like that's my game like and i'm better at it than you because i do it all the time So usually I show up and I like, I have all my stuff and I'm like, Hey man, like, here's what I know. Mm -hmm. And like lay it all out there. Just like same thing. If you go to court, they're required to give, I'm required to give my body camera, my documentation, everything as a matter of discovery. I'm just like, Hey, here's what I know. I'm like, you know, I got you. I got you dead to rights. I'm not playing games. Like I, you, you know, you did wrong. You know, you did wrong. You were there and help me fill in the gaps here. And I've had two two maybe three in 13 years that have said i'd like to invoke my right to an attorney and i'm not talking to you 
So, I mean, I just treat people like completely opposite of mm-hmm. what they're expecting. They're expecting me to be like, well, your friend's in the other room and he told me that you did this. And they're going, nah, bro. Like, I, I know that's bullcrap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but when I tell them those things. And so, um, so it, it's, so that's back to that selling, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, so I guess back to you, what is the, what is the, some people don't like this question, but like, what's the five year plan for you or what's the 10 year? Like, if everything went the way Mason wanted it to go. That's tough. So, um, I would love to have a career in entertainment. You know, I have a couple of different idols and I, I don't want to be them. I'm the first version of me. All right. I like to view it like that. And that's not saying that I'm special. It's just saying that I don't want to be a carbon copy of someone else. They've already happened. And so, um, I plan to finish my degree out. That's really high on my list. Um, I, when I, when I enlisted, I told myself I was going to use my benefits to get a degree. That was, you know, step one. And so I was actually still in the Army when I had enrolled in college. And so um, that's step one. Uh, I'm going to look for a couple different entertainment gigs. If I can get on TV show, get into movies, screenplays, uh, musicals, um, I want to pursue that style of art um, in front of the camera, not only just behind. Um I also plan to um, do paid gigs. Like I, f- I filmed his uh, brother's wedding. I didn't know I was going to do that until about an hour before the wedding. That was pretty stressful. <laughs> that was uh, that that's that's there was no communication. Out, there was no outline. There. Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't have my tripod. I didn't have a gimbal. I didn't have all. I didn't have the right mics. But I, I did with what I could. But I realized that like filming weddings, there's a lot of potential revenue there, mm. and I can supply a product that people really care about. And so, um, and that with that, you can support your other. Hobbies yeah, and I, can, I can do whatnot. other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to establish a successful YouTube channel. Um, I'm already, I'm laying the groundwork for that right now. Um, just in this first year, I'm almost at 200 subscribers. I haven't had a year yet, which, you know, if you say that now and we look back at this podcast, you're going to be like, wow, he was, he was so happy about 200 subscribers. <laughs> but the leaps and bounds in production quality that I have shown just in that one year. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I can't even imagine where I'm at in five. And so, um, it just takes repetition. Absolutely. I'm at about like 20 plus videos right now and in five years will hopefully be over 200. And so, um, just planning on taking whatever opportunity comes in front of me. I never knew I was going to be a soldier. I never knew I was going to play rugby and, um, whatever opportunities come up in front of me, I'm going to hop on. I know that I plan to um, learn Spanish and start a second language or start a third language, which will hopefully be French. It's on my to-do list. So hopefully I can come back with that. Um, and learn other skills. I want to learn to fly a plane. I want to learn to oh, sail a boat. Man, hell yeah. Those are some cool things on my to-do list. Those are expensive hobbies. Yes. So I got to figure out how to, how to pay for those. <laughs> yeah. My dad just finished his and it was almost 10 K for a pl- uh, pilot license. Pilot, yeah. Yep. And so on my to-do list and, um, I hope my father's retired by then. Um, hang out with him, spend some more time with him by then and, uh, be looking towards having a partner. So those are kind of, that's kind of my five to 10 ish year plan. We could scatter those things around yeah, there. Right. Um, grad school may be on, on the uh, horizon. I'm trying to get the best grades I can to look at options. Um, I think a bachelor's degree is becoming a little more common. Yeah. I, I say bachelor's is the new high school diploma. Yeah. There's kind of, there's kind of yeah. this, uh, pipeline straight out of high school to, hundred thousand dollars of debt that they yep. just want you to be in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, a bachelor's degree is it's losing its, uh, its shine. Mm. And so I may need to go to grad school to elevate myself, but 
I don't know if I'm going to be the kind of person to have a consistent employer. Ideally, if I can be a freelancer and generate all my income off my own name and off of my own merit, then that's awesome. But if I have to go to grad school and get a, uh, a, a stable income source, I'll do that. So, Even if that pushes you closer to the goal of being absolutely. more. Yeah. Absolutely. Just surround yourself with those people. That's the goal. That's the goal is to put myself in those in those spaces. That's why he's here. <laughs> that is <laughs> part of the reason why I'm here. So, you know, the, the things I'll have learned today just out of this podcast, I probably won't even realize until about five to five, you know, five to ten years from now. And so maybe I gotta check out some of those books too. Yeah, you pick up a book and it'll yeah. change, change my life. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in this. I mean, how many? Probably almost every podcast I'm re- referencing a book in somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't read near as much as I should, but well, seventy-five hard's helped with that. Yeah. Seventy-five hard, live hard. I mean, like I'm absolutely freaking burning through books right now. So, um, so if uh, if if people want to reach out and like contact you, so like tell us tell us about like your tell us about your socials, your YouTube, your your Insta, like everything. Like if somebody were to reach out to you because like maybe they got a screenplay or mm-hmm. you know something like that, how how would people reach out or even ask you questions about editing, etc.? So the uh, best way to reach out to me is through email. Uh, mpl.professionalmedia at gmail.com. The uh, second best option would be through Instagram uh, at masonphelps98. Um, those are the two places I check the most for employment opportunities, uh, revenue generating opportunities. Um, and then you can comment on anything I post on YouTube. Uh, I check those pretty often. I uh, As of right now, they're pretty dry. Uh, don't get too many views. Hopefully five years from now, they're swamped. And uh, people are debating over something goofy in, in the comment section. I don't know. Yeah, but, you, you create that division, and people start commenting and push you up in the algorithm. I want like a Captain America Civil War in my <laughs> in my comment section. That's the goal. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, who knows? Maybe my plans will completely change, and I'll go completely other direction. But yeah. I just I think life's about just like seeing the doors in front of you and like making the best of, of what you have. And uh, right now I've been doing that. And if, if opportunities change, who knows? Who knows where I'll be? Well, um, I, th- I, you know, and I think that it, it, we, we should like make this like packed or make this known today. Like we ne- definitely need to have you on the podcast, like in that like five or like if we're still doing it in mm-hmm. 10. I mean, cause a lot's going to change. Like this dude's probably going to get like married and move to Canada. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And, and he's, he's going to be like, Hey, Nick, what you doing, eh? Yeah. And that kind of that. thing. But, um, I'll have someone to speak French with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You have to move to French Canada. Oh. Yeah. You oh, can be, gosh. you can be a part of Canuckistania. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but, um, uh, don't you like how I always work those things? Out? No, they're so, moving to, I'll make a move to Kansas. So, um, but you know, I, I just think it would be cool. Like, like you were saying, like, the production quality like not only that but the production quality of this and then also the quality of like where we've been and what we've done and like the we can look back and be like hey remember when we said that and like look into that like i think that would be cool mm-hmm. uh, i mean i i don't know about you but i don't know how many plans to be done with it even if you're you're not doing this i'm still going to do this yeah and so i think it would be cool to like connect those dots again i don't know how how often do you make it up here uh i'm in here usually right now i come here every every summer and every christmas time um, I have a lot of family here. I mean, all of our cousins and aunts and uncles and our grandparents all live in this area. And so does my father. It's just, it's tough. I don't feel like I have a future in Kansas, if that makes sense. Yeah, I have right. a lot of roots, a lot of memories and a lot of good people, but I don't think my future is here. Hey, the good thing about Kansas is, is if you can do everything remote, 
It's the cheapest cost of living in the United States, almost. You know, I'm okay. I'm all right. As he's like, <laughs> as he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'll pay double not to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's tough right now. My roots are in Tampa. I, I built a great support system. Nate said I'm great at making friends. You know, but joining that rugby team definitely helped. Yeah, uh, great, just immediate social network, and then um, just making making friends as, as my day goes on. I've really enjoyed doing that. College sports does that. I mean, Absolutely, it, it builds a great support system for you. Because I mean, I've got one of my best friends lives in Tampa. You mm-hmm. know, one of my other best friends is from from California. He has, he lived, Nelson lives here now, obviously. Um, but I've got friends all over the country that I could call up and like that ne- network is huge. It's, it's insane. You know, I went to Puerto Rico and had a free apartment for an entire week because one of my teammates aunt owned it and she just gave, it, <laughs> gave us the keys. Awesome. And so my spring break of 2023 was insane <laughs> and, um, and cheap. Oh yeah, absolutely. All the money went to alcohol. And so, um, no wonder you and Nate get along. <laughs> yeah. It was a, uh, it was a it was a big headache for about a week long in Mexico. Uh, so mm-hmm. I know you guys talked about that in the last one. Well, I think I don't think we should wait like that five or ten. But like whenever you're up here and like mm-hmm. you're like think it would be cool just to kind of like it'd be cool. I think it's almost like a it wouldn't be a vlog, but it'd be like check a, in an audio like version mm-hmm. of just like where you're at, what you're doing. I think it'd be cool. It's almost like you track that progression, mm-hmm. but then you also have like a way to kind of go back. Like for me, that's what I do. I look at like old writings, old reports. And same thing, like with you with the YouTube of like, I look at the report when I first started working to what it is now, and I'm like, oh, I used to write that. Oh, gross. It's nice with sources like this because they're very um, identifiable. Yeah. I want to say visual, but this is more audio based. Yeah. And so you can definitely tell when you improve on something like this. It's easy to measure. Yeah. Right. So measure the measurables and compare those. You know, it's hard. It's hard when things are a little more subjective. Yeah. Well, let's definitely not wait like, too long i mean like i I think it would be cool to like just when you're up here you know and you kind of got some time to kill just to to catch up i mean there's so many more things i think we could nerd out on oh i would love to i I enjoy (laughs) stuff like this please don't grill me on the on the insides of satellites that one's a little that one's a little tough (laughs) i am not the subject matter subject matter expert on that one i don't know even then i can't tell you about it yeah I, i don't really know what i would be a subject matter expert on yeah i think everyone has their their thing i haven't identified my thing yet but. No, I, I, the the whole quote of the jack of all trades thing. I don't know if you know it, but the it's like uh, a jack of all trades is better than a master of one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, th- there's more to it. Like there's a, it's better than being a master yeah, of none. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and it's better than a master of none. Yeah. So it's like, so I mean, I think there's there's more to that, and I think that you will you will probably find from an you know, old man perspective compared to you two that knowing all those things, like the rebuilding a motorcycle, the fishing. You know, those kind of things, those are going to benefit you. Like, mm-hmm. you, and it's going to benefit you at the most, like, weird time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have, like, like, you're going to meet your girl because she's having trouble with a small engine. And you're like, okay, so I know I need air, fire, and gas. Mm-hmm. And you fix it and then boom, the conversation. So you never know, like, when all of those little things may come to, to pass and, and benefit you. So, you know, your purpose is probably going to be and multiple different directions before time, you know it time will tell yeah and that's yeah. what makes me nervous <laughs> is that i just want to be there already i want to i want to know the next chapter yeah, i want to yeah. read the whole book i hate reading books but i want to read this one and i want to know what's coming up man you should really listen to andy Priscilla because he talks about <laughs> that quite a bit about like man that's just the way it is and there, there's i'll tell you also from another old man perspective i know we're trying to wrap up is there is no substitute for experience mm-hmm. and 
there, there, you just can't, man. Like, there's no way to just get around it. Like, some people get quote unquote lucky or are a savant or whatever, but I'll tell you, like, those people don't have the same, I don't know, knowledge. I don't even know what word to use to it, but the same credibility, whatever you want to do. Once they get to that success point when they're lucky, you know, it's hard for them to keep that because they don't know what it took actually takes to get to that point, you know, so they struggle to hold on to that. So just keep like, it's just one, one footed, one, one step at a time. And I'm telling you, like you're heading in the right direction. Learn to love the grind. Just keep doing it. So trust the process. Work, work the process, not the outcome. It's hard. It's hard to trust the process sometimes though. It is. It's a difficult thing to do. Uh, yeah. And then when you get into parenting, you start that whole thing over again of wanting to be a subject matter expert, <laughs> assuming that's in your cards. Give me about 10 years for that one. <laughs> uh, we can do a whole nother podcast on that one. <laughs> but I think we should probably wrap it up because people are probably like, man, like Dallas is right now. Like, dude, can, I'm, I'm almost done with my rip mail route. Can you go ahead and finish this up, please? <laughs> Tyrone, Tyrone's like, man, seriously, like I, I need to go home from work. I'm sitting in the car like I'm waiting for this podcast to end. Can you guys shut up so I can go inside the house now? <laughs> So uh, I'll wrap it up. You guys cool with that? Yep. All right. So, hey, first things first, man. Like, thanks for taking the time. And, you know, I'm just honored by you being here. Uh, like you said, everybody has it. I don't care. Has a story. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, whatever. I mean, you have some really cool experiences. Um, we nerded out on a lot of different things. I learned some stuff today. And that was, for me, this podcast is a win. Every podcast is a win. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Hey, everybody that's listening, thank you for listening to the podcast. We we are just humbled that you choose to join us every week and listen to us. And, you know, we uh, we are humbled when you share the podcast. And that's kind of what gets us uh, gets us bumped up in the algorithm, et cetera, and just kind of lets people know that we're here and can learn from these experiences, can learn from people like Mason. And we're just humbled that you would do that. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That also helps on getting the message out there to help people. Nate and I have always said, if we only help just one person with the podcast, then all of this time and effort and energy has been worth it. So mm-hmm. uh, we could really use your help to share that to get those kind of things out there. Check us out at www.thehigherpoints.com, on Facebook at The Higher Points Podcast, on Instagram at The Higher Points, and we will catch up with you guys next time. <laughs>